Matthew chapter 10, and we'll look at uh, verses 26 through 31 today. Perhaps you've uh, sometime in your life uh, had the opportunity to see something that you said, that's false advertising. <laughs> that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't measure up to what they're saying there. But you know what? Jesus did not engage in false advertising. He tells his followers the truth about the things that he calls them to do. We see this in the 10th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. In this passage, Jesus tells his followers very plainly about the world's hostility toward the message that he calls them to preach. Remember, thus far, we've looked uh, in our last study, we saw in verse 16, he says there in 16, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And he says, you need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In verse 17, he said, but beware of men. Beware of men. Uh, that's not a life verse for the ladies here, okay? Uh, beware of men. Uh, you probably should beware of men, but... Uh, He's talking about those who would uh, try to deceive you. Beware. And in verse 22 it says, Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. And then in verse 25 he said, if, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of this household? Basically what he's saying in verse 25 is says, you know, you might be called a name. There might be some name-calling. If you're going to give out the gospel, if you're going to be faithful to be a witness, you might be called a Bible-banger. Or you might be called an old, you know, them old Baptists. You know, they're always talking about the Bible. They're always talking about salvation. By the way, did you know that Baptist came as a name of derision? It was not a name that we chose if we're a historic independent Baptist. It's not a name that we chose. It's a name that was given to us many, many, many years ago out of derision and disgust and persecution. Those Baptists. And people still use that in disgust sometimes when they get tired of hearing our message. But you know what? We've been called to be the representatives of Christ in this world. And his words in this portion of Scripture give us a sense of seriousness of our mission. And that brings us to our passage here in Matthew chapter 10. Look at what he tells us, uh, us as his followers right here in the context of all these warnings of the hostility of men toward the gospel. Look at verse 26. He says, Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall be shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value than many 
sparrows. For you that are studying with us in Sunday school, our adult Sunday school, did you see the thrice trumpeted truth? Fear not. Three times. Verse 26, fear them not. Verse 28, fear not them. Verse 31, fear ye not therefore. This morning's passage then is meant for us as followers of Jesus Christ, sent by our Savior into this world. We're called to live out faithful lives for Him and to proclaim Him in the midst of those who are hostile to Him and His gospel. And the encouraging word He gives to us is a certain truth, Fear not, be not afraid. When faced with the fear of man, this morning's message or passage is a call for us as followers of Jesus to exercise gospel courage. Ever felt afraid of sharing the message of God's love through Jesus? Ever been fearful to do that? Have you ever had a time when you just kind of thought, You know, I should be saying something. The Holy Spirit is prompting you to tell somebody of Jesus' love. Maybe it's something you're talking to, and yet you fail to speak because of fear. Stop and think what it was that made you afraid. Now, it might be that you were afraid because you didn't want to give the message incorrectly. It might be that you didn't want the message of the gospel as you presented it to be misunderstood. It might be that you didn't want your manner to somehow be offensive. And I would suggest to you that these are legitimate concerns, but they should never cause us to freeze up and to be silent. These kinds of concerns can be overcome with learning and praying and practice. You know, we can never really hurt people by telling them about someone who loves them as infinitely as Jesus does. And we can be sure that the same Holy Spirit who prompts us to tell them will also empower us to tell them in the right way. But those aren't the kinds of things that really make us freeze up. More often than not, we fall uh, or we fail to share the message of Christ because we're afraid of the reaction we'll get from people. Or we're afraid to speak because they might be offended by the message. We're afraid that the person might possess a postgraduate degree in philosophy and they're going to argue with us and we're going to have to come up with some real good answers. And we're often afraid that they just might react towards us with anger and aggression. Now those kinds of concerns are really the kinds of fears that Jesus is speaking about when he says, fear them not. Reminds me of something that the Lord Jesus once told the Apostle Paul. Paul was afraid. Did you realize that? He was afraid of preaching the gospel. You thought, Paul? Well, he had good reason for his fears. Preaching in the ancient city of Corinth was the beginning, he was beginning to experience strong hostility and resistance toward the gospel from the Jewish people that lived there. And Paul had been in this kind of situation enough times to know that uh, what could very well lay ahead for him. Perhaps violence, perhaps an arrest, perhaps a long time in prison. I believe that even he, even the great apostle Paul, had a moment 
of fear and was tempted to clam up. But we're told the Lord appeared to him in a vision of, of the night and, and told him something that gave him courage. He said in Acts chapter 18, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. Now our Lord just doesn't tell Paul not to be afraid. He gave Paul some good, sound, solid reasons why he shouldn't be afraid. He told Paul that he wasn't alone. That he, the Lord himself, was with Paul. Uh, Then the Lord told him that even though he was experiencing opposition, nothing would ultimately harm him. And finally, the Lord assures Paul that the results were guaranteed. The Lord would bring many to salvation. And the Bible tells us then that Paul then went on in the power of that encouragement to minister for another year and a half in Corinth. And many came to believe on the Savior as a result. And today, we have two books of our Bibles uh, that were written to many of the believers in Corinth. Now that's how we are to look at this morning's passage. It's as if the Lord looks in mercy upon us, His people whom He has called to be His spokesman to this day and and before this culture that we live in. It's as if He knows that we too are intimidated by the likelihood of opposition and of scorn and possibly even that of violence that might come upon us for telling others about Him. It's as if our Lord places kind of a loving arm around us and He says that here's some things you need to know. Here's some good, solid reasons for going forward and speaking for Him in spite of your fears. Listen, it is our privilege to bear the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people that God has put in our lives. It's even our privilege to bring the message of the gospel to bear on our culture, to be salt, to be light in our world. And this passage here encourages us that we share the message of the gospel courageously when we remember the three things that Jesus teaches us here. Three things to take away every fearful reason for us to hesitate when sharing the message of the gospel The message of God's love through Christ. The first thing that Jesus would have us to remember is God's truth will not be hidden. God's truth will not be hidden. Notice what Jesus says about the hostile people of this world. He says in verse 26, Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall be revealed and hid that shall not be known. I wonder if you recognize the phrase there, fear them not. You find it often in Jesus' teaching. It was a phrase that he often repeated. He used it in different settings. But what does he mean by that phrase when he uses it here? Some have suggested, well, he's saying, we're not to fear what men may say about us when we share the gospel with them. God will see to it that our true character Uh, is one day made known. After all, in this verse, just prior to this, Jesus warns that if they call Him names, they will surely call His followers names as well. 
but we're not to fear the name callers because there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. As the Bible teaches us, the true character of all men will one day be made known. That also includes his own saints, his own children. The Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of the darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. So it may be that this is what Jesus means in this verse, but another possibility is that it's, he's not so much speaking of the righteous character of the saints, but rather the evil character of those who oppose the gospel will one day be made known. The plots of the evil people the, who actively oppose the spread of the message of Christ can sometimes be made out to be virtuous and even tolerant in the eyes of men. But this shouldn't stop us from being faithfully uh, giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ because the truth about those plots will one day be revealed. Jesus used this phrase on another occasion. If we hold your place there, you notice that his disciples were talking to the Pharisees and turn over to Luke uh, chapter 12 and verse 1. Luke chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod upon one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear of, in the closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. After all, no one can hide things from the judge of the earth. And he will see to it that the true character of every man and woman will be made known. And so it may be that this is what Jesus means here. Now, of course, I believe both of those things are absolutely true. God will reveal the truth on the last great day, both about those who believe the gospel in faith and those who oppose his gospel out of sin. But let me tell you what I think Jesus specifically meant by the use of this phrase here. I suggest that when our Lord uses this phrase here in this case, he's saying something directly about the message of the gospel. He's telling us something that is meant to give us courage in the face of opposition. He's telling us that no matter how hard that evil people of this world may attempt to do so, the message of the gospel cannot and will not be covered or hidden. We live in a day when they're trying to say, you can't read the Bible in public. You can't pray in public. They've already taken the Bible out of schools. You remember the day, some of you remember the day when they started your school day with the Bible reading, don't you? But now we have protests of even the Scripture being in our governmental buildings and so forth. 
The message of the gospel cannot and will not be covered over and hidden, no matter how much man tries to. Once when Jesus was teaching his disciples about the meaning of some of the, his parables, he said, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it upon a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Luke chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. Jesus didn't keep secrets about anything he taught. When he came to arrest, they came to arrest him in the garden, he said, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. And then when he stood on the on trial, he told the high priest, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple whether the Jews always resort, and in the secret have I said nothing. Even Paul, when he later stood on trial before Herod Agrippa for preaching the gospel of Jesus, said, For the king knoweth these things, before whom also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing shall not uh, this was not done in a corner. Corner, Folks, this is not a secret meeting we're having here this morning. We're not hiding anything here. The Bible tells us there is nothing covered there shall not, that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be made known. And this is true above all else of our Lord's gospel. This is meant then to encourage us that no power on earth can ever cover up or hide the message of the gospel. No amount of persecution or opposition will ever successfully silence it. This, of course, has been tried many times. There's been Bibles that have been burned, preachers that have been jailed, Christians who've been killed. This, by the way, is why Jesus then goes on to say here in verse 27, what I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. We're commanded to speak forth with boldness and confidence what cannot be covered and hid by man. Jesus lets us know that we are His divinely appointed gospel messengers on this earth. What He, as it were, tells us in the night hours when few people are around, we're to speak in the daylight hours when the crowds awake and are going about their business. What He, as it were, whispers in our ear, which is what is implied by the fact that it's spoken in only one ear, we are to broadcast it boldly in the public places where everyone can hear it. Let's remember that it's impossible for any man, or even the whole world of men, to stop what God commands to be broadcast forth. When we remember that, We'll broadcast it boldly and confidently. And I think we need to be remembering here what he said. We saw last week, it said, you know, I send you forth mist wolves, but be ye therefore wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Now this leads us to a second thing that the Lord would have us remember. And that is, God's authority is greater than man's. God's authority is greater than than man's. Verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Now this does not mean we should be without fear. There's two words translated fear in this verse. They're exactly the same in the original language. But they describe two dramatic different kinds of fear. One is describing the fear of man, which is a self-serving, self-interested, cowardly kind of fear of someone who can ultimately cause us no eternal harm whatsoever. That kind of fear is forbidden to the believer. He says, fear not them. Now the fact is that unless the Lord Jesus returns, for us in our lifetime, all of our bodies are destined to die. We can be certain of this. We can no way escape death, for as the Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. So the very worst thing that man can do to us, in opposition to the message that we've been commanded to preach, is bring about something that's already appointed to happen. And even then, that only sends us to a situation far greater and more glorious. As Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Philippians 1.21 So the first word or use of the word fear here is meant to describe a fear of man. And we are not to be characterized by such fear. But the other use of the word fear is describing the fear of God. It's a healthy, reverential, realistic response of awe and obedience to the majesty and the authority of God. Jesus mentions the fact that God is able to do what man can uh, do, that is, kill the body, but He is able to do more than man can do. That is, to destroy both body and soul in a place of eternal judgment. And this isn't meant to make believers afraid of eternal judgment as much as it is Uh, meant for us not to be afraid of men. It's meant to teach us that as as great as human authority is, God's authority is always infinitely greater. We are not to fear man. Yeah, but, Pastor, if they they catch me preaching the gospel, they're going to throw me in jail. Well, they'll throw you in jail. Fear God or fear everything. We're not to fear man, but we're to fear God instead. It's the second kind of fear that makes it possible for us to be unafraid of man. Someone has well, very well put it, we have this choice. Fear God or fear everything. All anxious and soul-damaging fears that we can ever have will ultimately come from just one thing, a failure to fear God first. We could put it this way, fear God and you'll never have a reason to fear anything or anyone else. Now, how can we apply this? I believe it's important to stress that it is our duty as Christians to obey the human authorities that God has placed over us. We are commanded to be subject to the governing authorities in as much as they are appointed by God as according to Romans chapter 13. We are to obey human authority so long as the human authority does not call us to disobey God. But placing the fear of God over the fear of man means that we always will view God's authority as greater. And should human authority ever command us to disobey God or keep silent about our Savior, we must remember that we are under a greater authority. 
we must in a case in that case disobey human authority and boldly proclaim Jesus Christ in obedience to the great commission now there's a wonderful illustration of this in the book of acts the jewish leaders sought to silence the preaching of the apostles who were convincing everyone that Jesus was alive the message of the resurrected christ was spreading all over jerusalem and many people were being saved. And so the leaders met together and they decided what to do. If we look over in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, notice what the leaders decide to do. It says there, but, it spread no far, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that speak henceforth to no man in his, this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. By the way, there's a movement in our day that says uh, you shouldn't pray in public prayers in the name of Jesus because you might offend somebody. And as a chaplain, a law enforcement chaplain, uh, I've met up with this in uh, some of the training from the uh, more of the worldly training that uh, is available out there. It says, no, oh, don't... Don't uh, preach or don't, don't pray in the name of Jesus. I've never stopped praying in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now what can you do with someone who has that much conviction? The leaders could do nothing. All they ended up doing was threatening the, the apostles more, and then they let them go. And as the apostles kept preaching, the high priest rose up and put them in prison. He planned to bring them to trial, but in the middle of the night, an angel came and released the men and told them, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of life. You find that in chapter 5, verse 20. And so in the morning when the high priest gathered all the council together to try the apostles, he sent to the prison to, to fetch them and, and found out they were out preaching in the temple again. So he called them before the council, and in chapter 5 and verse 28, he says, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with all your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us? Then Peter and other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and to forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so it is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to him them that obey him. Again, what boldness. There was no fear of man in those words. There was, of course, due respect for God-appointed authority, but no fear. And I suggest the reason they had no fear of man in their hearts is because they feared God first. Fear of God displaces the fear of man in our hearts. We will never be hindered by the fear of man as long as we first fear God. We will speak boldly in the obedience to Christ's command because His authority is greater than that of mere man. 
we may then boldly say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27, verse 1. And then notice, finally as well, God's eye is always upon His people. God's eye is always upon His people. In verse 29, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered? Fear ye not, therefore ye are more, of more value than many sparrows. Did you know that sparrows were a food item in Bible times? It's, uh, if you go out to the marketplaces in those days, and you wanted to pick up some fast food, you might buy a couple of sparrows. Uh, they were, you might say, the cheeseburgers of the ancient world. And they were cheap, too. You could buy two for an Assyrian, which was a Roman coin. It was roughly equivalent to one-sixteenth of a denarius. And in modern dollars, and you could work that out, a sparrow for about a uh, $1.50. And these sparrow burgers might be even made, uh, made the dollar menu on McDonald's. I don't know. Uh, I know it's making you hungry, isn't it? We're getting to the end of our message here, and we know we have fellowship time in a little bit, and you're getting hungry, and I'm even making you more hungry. And what's more, Luke records the words of the Lord, and he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? In other words, you could get two for one. Two for one coin. The five uh, for two coins. They're so cheap, you could, they'll even throw an extra one in. Now really, come on, this is really making you hungry, isn't it? For a sparrow burger? But look at what Jesus tells us. He says, even those, though these sparrows are so cheap and seemingly insignificant you can get one thrown in for free. Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your heavenly Father. Have you ever paid attention to the birds in your backyard? Some of you might even try to get the birds to come to your backyard. You put out bird feeders and so forth. But have you ever paid attention to them? You might notice them. You might even enjoy watching them. But you probably didn't keep track of every time they landed, did you? Unless you're really, really bored. But you know what? God the Father does. And it simply stresses the point that none of them fall to the ground without the Father. And that's how much attention is focused on these little sparrows that all, all the rest of us consider so cheap and so in, insignificant. What a picture of the sovereign care of the Father this is. And yet the point is that if He cares about the sparrows, how much more does He care about what happens to you and to me? How much more valuable and precious are we to Him than they? Did you notice what else Jesus says? Look at verse 30. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Now some of us may care a, a, lot, a, more, a lot more about this than about birds landing in our backyard. Uh, we've been watching our hair 
pretty carefully. And we've been concerned about how much hair remains on our heads in general. But certainly we don't have the figures about how many hairs there are. And some of you stopped worrying about that long ago. We won't mention any names. But our Father knows about it. Jesus says that the very hairs on your head are all numbered. When you brushed your hair this morning, ladies, and you got a comb full or a brush full of hair out of that, well, that was number so and so and so. The Lord knows what number that is. Jesus says the very hairs on our head are numbered. And what a, what, what's marvelous is that he uses a tense of the verb that suggests that, that this number is continually being updated. Some of you have seen the, uh, the debt clock. <laughs> well, God's got a hair clock going on for each one of us. I believe the Bible, okay? And he knows the very hair on our head. And if he knows that, he knows a whole lot more about me and he cares a whole lot more about more about me than just the hair on my head. If you were to reach up right now and just pull a hair, if you could get a hold of one, you realize that something would just happen in heaven? The stats on your hair, uh, on your hair would have been updated. Now, how closely the Father watches over you and me. And of course, here's the point. And Jesus says in verse 31, Fear ye not therefore. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. If God knows so much about the sparrows, and if you are of far greater value to Him than sparrows, and if He even knows you to the extent that He knows how many hairs are on your head at any single moment, then you have no reason to fear men. There's nothing that can happen to you that will ever be outside of His constant care and supervision for you. You are unmistakably, unspeakably precious to Him, and He will never allow anything to fall upon you that He doesn't pass His divine approval. Let me just, in closing, give you one last passage of Scripture. It's found in Romans chapter 8. And I read this in closing. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Listen, we are under commission 
to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ in our world. We have a message to proclaim to the world that it can never cover, it can never hide. We are under authority to proclaim that it is far greater than man's authority to stop it. And we have a powerfully a powerful Heavenly Father who watches over us constantly, lovingly, and sovereignly as we go forth in our proclamation of it. Therefore, fear not, but be faithful and be a vocal witness for the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven.